Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey everybody, welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your chief lounge lizard, and your host for this episode of the show. It is freaking June already. <laughs> the year is halfway done, and we're going to take a look at what we've achieved in the game industry and what we haven't quite achieved. So, I, I mean, I just I woke up and I'm like, my God, it's June. It's crazy. So uh, another gamer uh, who uh, probably surprised that it's June, although she's usually a little more aware than me. Uh, Marie, welcome to the lounge today. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, so June, like, uh, you know, like the song says, we're just as far in as we'll ever be out of, uh, of 2011. Uh, and, you know, the forces of evil and good are gathering out in, uh, Los Angeles for the E3 trade show, where hopefully we'll get a, uh, a little bit of an idea about, uh, what's coming in the second half of the year. But, but, you know, the first half of the year, the first half of the year for the game industry it was sort of like that old Chinese curse. You know, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> you know, and it was. Well, it certainly has been interesting. It, it has been. It has been. So I guess well, let me, let's start with um, let's start with the bad stuff. I mean, I, Marie. I mean, I, I was going to ask you. You know, what event in the first six months of the year you know stands out in your mind? And I'll, I'll go ahead. I I'll, let me write your answer down on this piece of paper. And then, well, this, well, this is a tough choice, but I think. The most memorable event has been the Sony PSN. Outlet. That's right, and that's what I wrote down. So we get twenty-five points. <laughs> um, Ooh, I, I win. <laughs> exactly. It's um, it's uh, it was kind of crazy with the when, you know we've done shows on what happened and what Sony's offering and stuff. So I don't think we need to go into it in great detail. But I, I how, let me throw this out there, Marie, and what, tell me what you think because I don't think we mentioned this before. I think. In a very limited sense, that the hack on the Sony network was actually a good thing. Now, it was a bad thing for most people. Like, it was a bad thing for Sony. I just saw uh, an announcement um, in another trade magazine that Sony was expecting an $800 million profit this quarter. And instead, it looks like they're going to post a $1 billion loss. So, so yeah, yeah, that's a little bit different. You're expecting 800 million coming in, and you end up with a billion going out. Yeah, that that would suck. But I think the one thing that I think is good about this is, in a sense, it sort of is a wake up call to show that you know the game industry is a valid industry. I, I think the reason there wasn't much security on the PlayStation Network is because well, it's a console and it sits there and people fool around and play games. And no, somebody you know, unfortunately, it was the hackers figured out that this was. This was serious business with serious money involved. Well, you know, I think that um, part of the reason that that became obvious to the rest of the world, um, particularly to the hackers, is because of things like Sony's, um, you know, you could donate processing time on your PS3 when you weren't using it to, like, universities to do studies. Oh, okay. Because of the way it was networked. Hmm. Um, and, A, I think that was a fantastic you know, I think that's a fantastic thing to do, but it increases the need for serious security. And I don't know that people really consider their game console for what it really is, which is a essentially a media computer. Yeah, people don't people don't think of their consoles as computers, but they are. I mean, absolutely, they in, are. in the early days of the Xbox 360, uh, when we were. Um, 
And, and it really came about about this generation. You know, I mean, the older consoles were computers too, but I mean, when they really started to become powerful computers that could do things was the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, and to a lesser extent, the Wii. And I just remember it at E3, speaking about E3, in the early days of the Xbox 360, and people would boot like their demo models, like Activision had like, you know, the pre-release 360, and it would boot, and you would see like a Windows screen come up and go through all the little uh, REM processes and stuff, and it was like, wow, it's like he's booting a computer, but he's booting a 360. Sure. Well, I can take my PlayStation controller, my PS3 controller, and run it through my Mac. Oh, okay. And the Mac recognizes it and will say, you know, over in the little corner of the screen, oh, PS3 controller. (laughs) And so you can play games that way. I didn't know that. Some games, yeah, some games for the Mac, you can can play with your controller. They're not all set up to do it. Mm -hmm. But some of them you can absolutely use your controller on. And I don't know that anybody necessarily advertises that, but I sort of did it on a Lark one time and was surprised when the Mac actually said, oh, PS3 controller? And I was like, oh. well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I suppose, you know, we, we do plug, I do occasionally plug my keyboard into my PlayStation. I would assume it's, sure. it's all USB. Maybe it would go the other way, too. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's the thing that's, you know, that really brings it home. These are computers, and they're subject to hacking just like your computers are. Yeah, I wonder if we'll all have to start getting virus protection on our systems. You know, I was wondering if that's actually part of the downloads oh some sort of a virus scanning app or something like that or some sort of um software firewall kind of thing well yeah because you can browse the internet with your console so i'm assuming you could be exposed to you know malicious code somehow that was on a that was you know on internet sites and things like that well, it's possible well anyway so it was cert- it was certainly a wake-up call and uh you know it was it was a wake-up call for sony but you know and the for all the little smug uh, Xbox gamers who were like, ha ha, your stupid PlayStation Network got hacked, you know, I would guess that Microsoft is probably spending a lot of time right now going over their network. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure we is too. <laughs> Nintendo's probably all over there. Yeah, probably. Because it's like, yeah, it's too bad you guys got nailed. Hey, we could get nailed too. <laughs> let's let's get this right. fixed. So, um, so interesting. So that sort of dominated. That sort of dominated the news. Um, but there were there were some there were some bright spots. Uh, for the first six months, a game that came out, and of course this is a Rockstar's thing again. Um, you know, last year. They came out early in the year with Red Dead Redemption, and everybody – we did a show. We didn't do a halfway show. We actually did like a three-month show, uh, and everyone was like, oh, Red Dead Redemption, game of the year. No, no, no – hands down, no problem. And then all this other stuff came out, and it had some competition. Of course, with, with Jin, it ended up still getting 50,000 votes and, and getting uh, game of the year. Red Dead Redemption did. So that, that was cool. But here, Rockstar again coming out with a, a title, L.A. Noir. Um, and, you, you know, Marie, I mean, do you, you think that looks like it could be, I mean, it's certainly at least going to be considered in the Game of the Year stripe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually think that the the heavy hitters that have been announced for this year, it's I think it's L.A. Noir's right now to lose mm-hmm. for Game of the Year, and I think the only heavy hitter that's out there right now that might take it is um, Skyrim. 
Uh, Which is Elder Scrolls Five. Wow, well, Skyrim, yes. Yeah, we can, can must not forget about the amazing Skyrim that's coming out. Yeah, you never count Bethesda out. <laughs> you know, and the neat thing about Bethesda is Bethesda's not the type of company that like a lot of these companies, you know, like something like uh you know, when, when Call of Duty uh Modern Warfare came out and everybody was like, Oh no, we're we're slipping our release date. <laughs> you know, we're not coming out at the same time. Bethesda doesn't really care. Bethesda, you know, they announced their release date and for the most part, they've hit their release dates pretty much spot on, you know? Well, and, you know, when Bethesda announces a new Elder Scrolls title, you know, all of the gamer people, you know, stand up and weep. <laughs> They're so excited. Um, and, and I have to say, I'm really excited about L.A. Noir 2. It's, I'm all over it, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of uh, downloadable content for it. You know, you can add cases, and I think it's fantastic. But... Um, I am one of those people who just cannot wait for Skyrim. <laughs> That's true. Well, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how that goes. But the uh, the LA Noir, it's it's a neat. Um, it's definitely a neat the way that they recreated. Uh, you know, Rockstar. Rockstar. It's interesting. They they take their. You know, they have their, their ballywick of what they do well, and that's obviously the Grand Theft Auto games. And they take that same type of technology now, and they seem to be experimenting in other areas, you know, like, like with Red Dead Redemption. You still have an open world. You still have, you know, missions that show up on the map. And, and for the most part, L.A. Noir is sort of the same way. But, mm-hmm. but L.A. Noir, you know, takes place in 1950s Los Angeles. So it's sort of a way of taking that open world gameplay, which I think is fantastic. I think there is no better type of gameplay than an open world sandbox. And yeah, and, yeah. and Oblivion's like that and Skyrim will be like that, you know. Absolutely. And and you know that's the thing, you know, to use that open world technology, get get off the rails and and have have fun with the real game. So the, the Rockstar is able to do that successfully and transition that into other areas. So Well, I think Ellie Noir gives Rockstar the option for cops and robbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, obviously, you're playing from the criminal's point of view, and this this allows Rockstar to give you the opportunity to play from the police point of view. Yeah, and uh, and some of the technology they use, they you know they they're not just resting on their heels. The facial recognition or the facial rendering technology is absolutely, I mean, some of the amazing stuff. Todd Hargosh wrote in his column that uh, he thinks that some of the best acting he's ever seen in a video game. And then he had to go back in the next paragraph and say, and no, I'm not just talking about voice acting, because the actors, um, you know, they basically glued all these sensors to their face and, and actually when they were rendered, you know, so it allowed them to actually act. It allowed them to actually smirk and smile and stuff. And Todd said, you know, he can tell when a suspect is lying to him by the little quirks in the guy's face. And that's something we've never seen in a in a video game before, ever. That's fantastic, and that's something that really Bethesda had a lot of complaints about for Oblivion. Sort of the Which, sort of the Gennaro yeah. face on every every Yeah, the the generic close up uh standard kind of ugly characters. And um I'll be really interested to see if they rise to the to the occasion. And, and follow up with something along the lines of what Rockstar's done with L.A. Noir in terms of allowing the actors to actually move their faces and have it translate into the game. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned ugly characters. That was sort of one of my pet peeves with Oblivion was, you know, you have all this stuff, you can change the eyebrows and the nose and the mouth and everything, but I could not create a pretty-looking character. And I'm like, is it is it their style that everyone in that world's supposed to be ugly? <laughs> well, and the, the tragedy there is that 
you know, Oblivion is beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful environment to just wander around in. And then to have it populated by people that, even with all the control they give you, you can only make them less unattractive. <laughs> I know, it's really funny. And there are missions where it's like, you know, you're supposed to be really attract, like, you know, you're supposed to be, like, really attracted to some girl, you know, and she's, like, she's, like, tempting you to, like, go to some cabin by or by yourself so she can rob you or whatever. And it's like, you know, she's supposed to be one of the hottest people in the game. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, hon, you're a five at best. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't buy you a beer. You know, no, I know. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll go. I mean, you know, but still. <laughs> but whatever. Let me, let me, let me quaff a couple cups of mead first <laughs> well what i think is ironic about that game is that i've i've spent so many hours in oblivion that there are people that are starting to look better <laughs> <laughs> just getting used to it you know compared to the rest of the world you're pretty fine yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so then uh there was also uh there's been a couple other uh interesting things that have come out um on the wii platform of course the big news that uh, is probably going to come out of E3 is the announcement, the, the stupid secret that isn't really a secret, you know, the Wii 2 coming out. What? No, I'm spoiled. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, wait, I think I knew that. Uh, yeah, uh, so the Wii 2 coming out, and, and the Wii 2 is trying to um, embrace more hardcore games. Uh, one of the rumors that was on a French site, and I don't know if this is true or not, um, Shella is not in town this week. She's actually in France on vacation. Um, so, but she couldn't translate the site for me, but I tried to read it as best I could from my high school French. And apparently, the next Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 5, is supposed to come out on all the platforms and the Wii 2. So. Okay. So that'll be neat to see. Now you, um, as, but as far as the existing technology, as far as the Wii, um, you looked at a game called Conduit 2. Now when Conduit, the original one, came out, they build it as Halo for the Wii. You know, we finally had a shooter on the on the Wii platform that was cool, and it, it, it was an okay game. It didn't get stellar reviews, but it certainly was one of the best shooters that came out for the Wii. So how was how was in the first six months you got to take a look at Conduit Two, and how how was that? It's a shooter for the Wii. <laughs> okay, very good. So <laughs> you know, it, it, here's the thing: Conduit Two didn't do anything wrong. I mean, there's there's no failing particularly. It just didn't do a whole lot right. It didn't move. It didn't move the storyline forward very much. Um, it really didn't add any depth to the story. Usually, when you get a a second in a series, you're layering the story. You know, you're adding on. Really, Conduit Two didn't make any effort to do that. As a matter of fact, it stop. It starts right where the conduit stops. Oh, really? <laughs> And it gives you no cutscene, giving you any kind of background story, no interactive comic, no nothing to to sort of introduce new players to the series. So you're just like, oh, if you want to know what happened, play the other game. Yeah, look it up on Wikipedia or buy the other <laughs> game. You know, I mean, it's it really they they do a terrible job of introducing new players. Hmm. Um, and then you know, it's it's a generic shooter. You pick up lots of weapons. You can upgrade your suit at the hub. You can, you know, you. You shoot a lot of of these drudge soldiers, and then you have boss battles. And you know the 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 campaign, the single player campaign, is is incredibly generic. Hmm. What it does really well that I wish more games did was it gives you both an online multiplayer, which lots of games do, or 
a split-screen, up-to-four-player offline option. Well, I know one of the games that you recommended for Game of the Year uh, last year was the James Bond title, because it had that nice split-screen play. Yes, and and um, Conduit 2 takes advantage of that, too, which is great, you know, if you don't have high-speed internet, which makes online play basically impossible. Um, or if you just don't want it online because of things like what happened with the PlayStation Network. Or also, I mean, there's something to be said. One of the strengths of the console, at least initially, and we've gotten away from this, I think, a lot, is the ability to sit down with, you know, your your significant other or a bunch of friends on the couch and play a game together in the same room. That was supposed to be, that's what makes the console a better gaming platform than the computer, really. Right. Well, and the thing is, I I don't know about you, but I love that. Oh, I do too, but there's not that many. I mean, uh, there were more game. I mean, you know, I'm mostly a PlayStation 3 gamer now. There were more titles like that on the PlayStation 2 than there and than there have been on the PlayStation 3. You had you had the Baldur's Gate titles, you had the um uh the the Sony um title, oh man, I can't remember. No, I think there were more games like that for the GameCube than there are for the Wii. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you would... And the Wii is actually a party console. So there are more games like that for the Wii than I think there are for either of the other two consoles. Yeah, yeah. And there's still, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. But it seemed to me that there were more, especially four-player games, on the GameCube and on even on the 64 than there are on the Wii. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to get together online with your friends, I guess, if you have enough friends that, you know, you want to form a guild or something and go out and shoot people and stuff. But, you know, I I think it's fun just to sit with your friends, and, and you know, there's nothing like, you know, scoring a touchdown on your buddy and being being able to turn and get that instant satisfaction of in your face, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or sitting around on a Sunday afternoon shooting your husband. Yeah, exactly. It's per- It's perfect. It's like marriage therapy. <laughs> it can be. Those split screen games can definitely be marriage. <laughs> so, um, so then, uh, and then the other thing um, that I think was sort of big news was sort of the games that were supposed to be really big that didn't didn't pan out. And one of the biggest, I think, was Homefront. I mean. Uh, you know, I can usually tell when a game has a lot of hype behind it because all the reviewers at Gin are all like, please, 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 I want to be the guy that reviews Homefront, you know, and, and so I kind of throw the title up in the air and they sort of fight over it. Um, but after Homefront came out, you know, cause it was supposed to be like this really great plot where Korea has somehow ridiculously taken over the United States and it was supposed to be like Red Dawn, the movie, you know, where you're, you're the resistance fighter and all this stuff and, when the game came out, it was just kind of like a generic shooter, five-hour campaign on the single player, and you know, I guess they hoped to make up for it on the multiplayer angle, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't that great a game. And it's, you know, it's an example of, I think, a company like THQ can actually put too much hype behind a game. I mean, they hyped the crap out of that game. They released red balloons in a in a mock protest of Korea and that you know went into the San Francisco Bay and pissed everybody off cuz California don't like it when you litter. <laughs> yeah, you know, here's my thing about that. First of all, I resent those uh cage matches you make us go through for game stuff. <laughs> right. But beyond that, um you know, the problem with Homefront is I think it made two classic blunders. One, the storyline was absurd. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're the third largest country in the world. Korea is not going to take over us. 
You know, I mean, that's just not going to happen. And so you you start with an absurd storyline. And then from there, you know, you give it all this hype, which I think to a certain extent can hurt a game. It certainly did not help that they, you know, did the littering in the bay. Nobody likes that. (laughs) And, you know, I think they made, and I, I hate to sound like Todd here, but I think the MMO thing is oversaturated. And I don't think that you can rest a game on its online multiplayer mode. Hmm. I just don't think there are enough. And, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong, except for that I've seen so many MMOs come and go Hmm. that I really do think they are overestimating that segment of the market. So you think that more people would, would want to play the single-player campaign than the online campaign at uh, Homefront, and, and the single-player campaign really didn't deliver. Well, exactly. Now, it, it's great if you have a multiplayer component to a game that you also get a lot of bang for your buck on the, multi- the single-player ca- campaign. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, if I predominantly want to play by myself, which, let's be honest, most of the time I do, if I'm only getting five hours for my sixty bucks, mm. I'm not thrilled. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and the the five hours, there were a couple of neat missions in there, but for the most part, it was uh, it was almost an on the rails shooter. It was follow the stupid. It was the typical thing where you have to follow the one guy, and he's invincible. You know, a grenade can land at his feet and blow up, and he'll be fine. So you don't really have to worry about him. Yet he hogs all the available cover. <laughs> That you could actually take. And secondly, he's also completely ineffective in combat. He only kills people when it's scripted for him to do so. So right. so more or less, he's sort of like a pointer that tells you where to go. And it's like, well, we've seen that before. It wasn't that great of a game. And the problem I have is once you've played games like Oblivion, like Fallout 3, like any of the Rockstar games, once you've played games where you have, you know, non-player characters that are, are vital functioning partners in the game and you have the opportunity to, you know, play for hundreds of hours. Okay. Mm. By yourself or in multiplayer. It's really hard to get excited about a game that has a single player mode that you're basically all but on rails. Mm hmm. And it only lasts for five or six hours. Yeah, my my biggest problem was with all the hype that THQ put behind this game, I really expected it to do something different. I really expected it to break the mold. And when I started playing, you know, it's not like it was a bad game. It's not like there were clipping issues. It's not like... It wasn't worthy of all that. Yeah, the AI didn't run around in circles or do dumb things, which I've seen in other titles. You know, it it was just like... It was just your generic shooter, and it was like... You know, maybe you guys shouldn't have hyped it as much as you should, so should or did. So I don't know, but so you know, and comparatively, I mean, L.A. Noir didn't really have that level of hype behind it, and then you've got an awesome game that everybody loves. So I don't. Except for L.A. Noir had a tremendous whisper campaign. True, true. It was all over my Twitter feed. It was all over Facebook. You know, every time I I saw anybody who ever played a game ever. My acupuncturist asked me about it. <laughs> kidding, really? And she hasn't played since the first Mortal Kombat game. And she wanted to play L.A. Noir. Yeah, she actually was like, you know, I heard about this game, 
And I was thinking, you know, maybe it's time for me to get another game console. And I said, sister, it's time. <laughs> I'm always supporting the industry. Well, yeah, apparently with with your money, too, as you pay your acupuncturist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's some money now. Go get you a console. Yeah, with this treatment, you could probably afford a new PS3. <laughs> so, a few more needles in the neck, please. Uh, okay, anyway, that's 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 crazy. So, um, But we'll do another show on acupuncture because <laughs> I'm fascinated by that. Uh, but anyway. Um, so, so interesting. So, you know, sort of some ups and downs for the first half of the year. Um, I'll ask you, you know, are you, what are you expecting for the second half of the year? And do you think that the second half of the year is going to be better than the first half? Well, I'm expecting Skyrim for the second half of the year. <laughs> and I can't really think about anything else. <laughs> In terms of the second half of the year. So, yeah, I'm, I have big expectations for the second half of the year. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we're getting into high season. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to tell really what's going to come out this summer. But usually, you know, summer is, is a big buying time. And pre-Christmas is a big buying time. And so, you know, if the games are going to be coming out and the good stuff's going to be happening, it's going to be happening soon. Um, and then towards, again, sort of like a lump of a, and November and December. Right. And of course, Skyrim's coming out in November, so. That's true. And you can also, you can pick up Yakuza 4 right now. I know you're, I know you're, I know you're really worried about what happened to those orphans from Yakuza 3. <laughs> yes, I, wow. I have to rush right out and find that. <laughs> I think it was in the dollar bin the other day. Oh, <laughs> uh, the game that I like that nobody else did. But anyway, that's my own private hell. Um, so. All right. Well, uh, I think I think we covered, you know, kind of the sort of the major events. We had some good games that are out, um, you know, as as far as this year compared to last year, I think. Oh, you know what? Yes. There was one other game. OK. That I'm kind of uh, looking forward to, but I don't know if they've given an official release date for it. And that's um, Zelda Skyward Sword. Oh, I thought you were going to say Duke Nukem. <laughs> I'm not talking about Duke Nukem until it's actually on a shelf. <laughs> John St. John is delivering a personal copy to Todd Hargosh, apparently. So. He should. <laughs> because as far as I know, until I actually, you know, have it in my hand, actually, until I actually have it playing in the console, I don't believe it exists. Right. And you know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to jinx them or anything. It's probably going to come out, and it's probably going to suck. <laughs> Compare Again, it's, it's the THQ thing. It's... Uh, it, it may not suck, but it's probably going to suck compared to all the ridiculous hype that we've been put up put through for the last sure. ten years. Well, and frankly, it's coming out. It's coming out at the same year. I mean, at this uh, on the same schedule as Eleanor and you know Skyrim and some of these other games, and uh, you know it's going to have to pack a lot. <laughs> It might. I mean, I love the old Duke. It's just, you know, it's it's hard to live up to, it's hard to live up to the hype, you know, that some games. Well, do. Exactly. How many people that are are you know coming up to gaming now even remember Duke Nukem? That's true. That's true. Well, just us old guys. 
<laughs> but yeah, Duke Nukem was awesome. I loved and you could run around that. I played that stupid first level with the theater where you could shoot the you could shoot everything except the Rubbermaid trash cans because they were indestructible. And I found all the little secret doors and everything, and it was just it was just so much fun. And I I don't know if the new Duke Nukem is going to sort of maintain that can't be fun. I, it seems like they're going for the extreme. We can use the f word in games now type of thing. And I I don't know. We'll we'll have to see where where it falls. You know that you can really overdo that, and I I'll be interested to see if they blow it. We'll see, we'll see. Well, definitely something something to look forward to. So, all right, well, Marie, well, thank you for joining me today, and uh, I will let you get back to uh, L.A. Noir because it, it looks like you have three weeks of vacation blocked off to play the game. So, <laughs> yeah, gotta get it in quick. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, well, uh, let us know, uh, all you listeners, uh, what you're looking to looking forward to in the second half of the year, and what you enjoyed about the first half of the year. Uh, if you send us a clever enough email uh, with almost all your spells correctly um you know at the last one i had actually said that uh, this game was very cleaver so i was looking forward to that but if you do we'll we'll maybe even read you on the air or if you have enough spelling errors that it's really really funny we might read you, read you on the air anyway so who knows uh sort of a different thing so all right well uh the the email address is genealogicgameindustry.com we'd love to hear from you marie thank you have a good day and thanks for joining me today Thanks, you too. And we'll see you all next time right here at GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. Take care, everybody.